<laughs> so, but that's um, fair. You can always just like have a glass of wine or something. Yeah, I think I prefer just like a drink, and I, that works because I, I know if, that. I wonder if you'd like. I mean, have you done like tried CBD at all? Like just CBD, not THC as well. No, I haven't really. Um, but someone did uh, email us recently about that CBD for like coffee beverages. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's something, it was like strange timing because it, I think I got it like a week or two ago and I'm just like, oh, please. Uh, no, not right now. <laughs> we don't really have extra spending, right. um, an extra spending budget right now. But, um, yeah, I know people really like that. So maybe that's the way to go. Yeah, so that's actually, it's funny that you say that, because my first experience drinking something like that was an accident, kind of, uh, <laughs> at a conference uh, for youth workers. <laughs> um, I went to, so when I was working for First Prez, um, I went to a, uh, like, kind of like a retreat um, that was, like, meant for uh presbyterian um basically just like people who work with youth whether whether volunteer or like staff members of the church um at uh i don't remember what it's like montreat i think is what they call it um i'm not presbyterian like i didn't grow up presbyterian it's like a very like popular destination for presbyterians um oh okay but Uh, it's in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, it, um, like, it's legal. CBD and, like, stuff like that is legal there. Um, and I went to a coffee shop called The Percolator, um, and I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, I I basically like they had like a menu like everything sounded good. I didn't really know what to get. They also had a barista's choice drink, which was just like straight up four dollars. The barista can make you whatever they want. Um, oh. and me not being super picky, I was just like that sounds good. That makes it a lot easier for me to also make a decision. Um, yeah, especially because a lot of times I'll say like surprise me anyway when I get like a beer or coffee or something at a place um yeah and uh so i had asked i'd I'd gotten that and i was when i got it i was like this tastes like like what spice or like what did they put in this extra that like just like makes it taste like maybe it's like matcha but i was like that doesn't like really seem right um so like as i was drinking it i was just like starting to feel like pretty relaxed um like yeah. it was a weird sensation to like have the energy from the caffeine, but like, uh, like to be starting to feel relaxed. Cause normally like I have to like kind of be slow about my caffeine intake because, um, it can give me anxiety and, uh, sometimes heartburn too. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this was like during our break and then we went like back to a like workshop and like during this workshop, I was just like, 
<laughs> I don't know. I was just like grooving with the with like the talk. Like the guy was like funny. Like I was like laughing a lot. <laughs> and um <laughs> like I don't think it was like to the point that like people were like thinking I was being like super obnoxious for how much I was laughing, but it was definitely like a situation where I was just like uh like in the back of my mind I was just like like why am I enjoying this so much? Like this is interesting. Um but then I like afterwards I like looked into my coffee and like around the side I could see like uh like a yellowish, like greenish, like discolored like oil that was like kind of around the the side of the cup. And I was just like, oh, that is interesting. Cause I they had that on their menu. Like they had those lattes. And I didn't even think about the fact that that was something oh, that they would yeah. give me. Um Yeah, that seems strange. It feels like something that they should let you know when you like, hey, this is what I made you. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like <laughs> I do think that when they asked, I didn't necessarily know what they were implying, but they were like, so oh. you're good with anything, right? And I was just like, yeah, oh. anything. Okay, so, so they kind of checked in with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Story Feast fan, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Story Feast Conversations. This one is a good one. Um, I got to talk with my friend. Kara Huckabone Sato of Vertex Coffee Roasters. Um, she is a fantastic person, has a lot of insight, and cares a lot about um, specifically sustainability and zero waste. So we get into that a little bit. We talk a little bit about um, fundamentalism uh, and how legalism can kind of destroy a movement like that and it's just a good conversation thank you so much for listening um so i'm guessing that most people that listen to this podcast for a little while are gonna be people that i know um and people that you know uh so most people will probably know what vertex is but um do you mind just like telling us a little bit about vertex and like what you do and like what was your um hope for starting it when you started it and like kind of how it came to be sure um yeah so i have well i started working in coffee in college in like this little well not little but in like a campus cafe basically and uh, in one of the unions okay. and um it was mostly focused on like food um but i was a student manager there and i just really liked it um i it was kind of my little safe haven of like when i was at work i couldn't focus on school or anything else i just was working so it was really an important place for me in college um, but yeah, during that time, I started becoming more and more interested in coffee and coffee culture. And so I started doing a lot of reading and research and homebrewing and then um, just dreaming about one day opening a cafe, which is like every millennial, <laughs> it feels like. <laughs> but I really wanted to do it. And so 
um, yeah, it became something that I just really like dug into and uh, yeah, but I studied music in college and um, I became a music teacher and then um, in the public schools for four years. And then at that point I was uh, ready to step full time into coffee. I really wanted to do it um, and really, really do it. So I started working um, full time in Milan, Michigan. And uh, my boss at the time really, really like allowed me to just have a lot of say in how the, how everything went. And Mm. I, my role was director of coffee. It's really small company and so um yeah so we started it really like kind of felt like a team like he was very just open to hearing my opinions and um which I found out was kind of rare (laughs) um uh yeah and it's still a, a good friend and then um I was accepted to a training program for a barista competition called Glitter Cat. And that was pretty incredible, just the experience all around. Uh, it was like completely sponsored, just this like really, really great training. And then I competed in a barista competition um, and did okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a great experience. I just, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, your, yeah, first, you know. your first competition, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, I basically my boss and I had the opportunity to open up Vertex, my boss at the time, uh, and because a different coffee shop was closing quite suddenly, and so we were offered the space. And, you know, I talked to my wife and she was like, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And it was pretty crazy, just the quickness of it. But also it it felt, it was very exciting. And um, yeah, so right now um, we've been open almost a year. So like 11 months at this point um which is fun but you know I, everything this year has just been yeah unprecedented for everybody um so it's just been really wild uh and we started the business it was me and then my and Matt my um business partner uh together and then Matt um, decided to step away from that so now it's me and then my wife Mackenzie um, helping out sometimes uh, too and yeah and then we have a great team as well Mm -hmm. Um, 
so when I say it's me, I mean as as one of the owners. Yeah. Um, and then we have yeah, we're really fortunate to have this great team of people that really care about what we care about as you know, and have really invested in um, Vertex and working there and helping to shape it. And so, uh, yeah, we really, we kind of have three pillars uh, that we try to focus on, which are quality, sustainability, and community. So, and these have really been the pillars from the beginning. Um, they having a high quality experience and coffee um, and just creating a space that everybody is welcomed and respected and safe. And then um, we strive to be a zero waste again. Uh, and zero waste can be a really uh, interesting phrase or way to describe sustainability. Um, I think there are a lot of buzzwords around sustainability, um, including zero waste, but we're trying to make zero waste approachable. It can be this really um, for lack of a better word, like inapproachable or like privilege thing or lifestyle um very like instagram worthy you know right but really in reality it's just doing what you can to reduce waste in your life so if it means using a metal straw instead of taking a plastic one that's great you know if that's the one thing you can do right now or and so that's the kind of thing we're trying to encourage is just reducing waste in in little ways and what you can do in your life and we do that at the shop as well so yeah answer your question yeah definitely (laughs) um and and it answered some questions that i would have asked as well um it does it does feel like zero waste can kind of be either like a buzzword or like even kind of like a scary word. Like I think that, um, I think that, uh, like personally when I try to, um, you know, throw less things out or like purchase in a way that like consumes less plastic or something, like it can just feel like kind of overwhelming. Cause it's just like, man, like it's really expensive. It, It like can be really expensive to like, yeah um by the you know less wasteful thing or like shop at the less wasteful places um yeah but then you know it can also be um like i'll feel bad about just like i don't know buying a bag of chips you know like stuff like that and i try to remind myself like it's not about like zero waste might be the goal or like the ideal um but anything like you said that can get you closer to that right now is um is just a good thing. Yeah, totally. I started exploring zero waste like 10 years ago. Um, and I read an article that basically was encouraging people not to buy anything new 
for a year and I was mm. like I'm gonna do that um oh. and so I did it uh but you know there were times it didn't include like food obviously <laughs> things like that <laughs> it was just like um buy used clothing and um it was for me it was really just kind of shifting my point of view into like do I need this right now or how can I maybe buy this thing from someone else that isn't using it anymore or something like that um but yeah and so kind of grew from there but there were times in in my life where I just couldn't do zero waste the way that I was told I should be doing it and like there were times I lived in apartment complexes and there wasn't a way to compost you know or things like that and so I um I kind of had to take a step back and see how it was really like causing a lot of anxiety and I was like this seems wrong (laughs) Like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, And so I just said, I kind of made a list and was like, well, these are the things I can do right now. And then in the future, I want to do these things. Uh, So it was helpful for me to kind of, yeah, just take a step back and be like, okay, right now I can buy used clothes. I can... Buy, I can go to the bulk food store and, and buy things in jars. Um, but right. composting and like um, the bigger things, you know, weren't really the, um, something I could do at the time. Yeah. But then I was able to buy my own house uh, a few years ago. And I, um, so then I was able to like implement more things that I wanted to do, mm. um, which was really cool. But I had tenants living in the house and they did not want to live zero waste. And so it was another challenge for me. of like, mm, yeah. Well, I can't be like, oh, well, if you're going to live here, you have to live this lifestyle. Like that's right. not really fair or okay. Right. <laughs> and so I you know, said, well, here's, you know, there is a compost. If you can, please contribute. Like, these are the things that can go in it or or different things like that. But, um, yeah, it was kind of a new challenge of like, well, I can live how I want to live, but I'm sharing a home with people that don't necessarily want that um, or don't want to put in the effort. And I had to like find ways to cope with that too. Yeah, that that's an interesting dilemma. Um, like, obviously, you don't want to be like a tyrant who's like, no, you have to live this <laughs> lifestyle. Um, which yeah. is like kind of like uh, you know, it's uh, it symbolizes like a larger struggle, right? Like with yeah, you know how. Um, how we conduct uh, environmental sustainability like in you know the U.S. or across the city um, or state 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I, what, uh, have you seen like, have you seen like any poor interactions with like guests, um, about like sustainability at Vertex? Not or like overtly. maybe just pushback, no. maybe? Um, I think the biggest thing is it is not as convenient. Mm. Um, and so before quarantine and um, COVID came along, we didn't have any retail bags. We used like tins and jars and then sold beans by the ounce. And so people could bring in their own container or we sold containers um that it was a deposit system basically and you know some people either chose not to participate or they're like yeah i don't really want to do that whereas if we had a bag of coffee i think they probably would have bought it um so maybe so i guess the pushback probably is just like some people have been annoyed or have seen it as like or just have not participated or bought something because of the lack of convenience yeah uh, like maybe more which, as an obstacle yeah that. which we knew i i've been pretty stubborn about some of those things and i knew that that would be something that would happen we have started selling bags of coffee because of quarantine and it's been really, really difficult to find sustainable bags. And so we're still kind of looking for, um, we're waiting on some bags that are fully compostable, um, but I had to pre-order them. So they're coming in a little while. And so for now, it's, our bags aren't, they they are what they are, but yeah. um, they, yeah, it's just hard it was like a a hard decision for me to make um but yeah i i think that's really been the pushback there hasn't really been most people and i think this is part partially where we're located in ann arbor most people are supportive and excited yeah about the sustainability um and we're trying to make it approachable in a way that is not shaming. Um, I know that a lot of people have turned away from like the zero waste movement um, or, or just like sustainability in general because it can be shaming. And mm-hmm. I've fallen into that too of like, you know, there are just times where I have to buy something in a package or you know we, we do what we can yeah and that's okay too <laughs> um or like the bags right now for vertex or um decisions we've had to make because of the pandemic and things like that so right yeah, yeah. I, I mean like i think that it's important um I think it's important that you still have the the vision, right, of sustainability, um, specifically environmentally. Um, 
mm-hmm. and uh, like the decisions that you have to make in order to see that vision um like come to fruition uh like i don't know everyone has to make hard decisions right and uh you're not necessarily like sacrificing something that is um pivotal to it um because um your your hope is still to like raise awareness right and um while you don't have the bags that you want right now at least you are able to you know continue operating and to get to a point where um sustainability in a business and zero waste in a business can remain front and center um yeah so uh, yeah. yeah it's it's a strange thing because when you like kind of link yourself to sustainability or or any label really there's always a pressure to represent that 100% all the time uh, you know yeah. and I think whether that is like being queer or part of the LGBTQ community or like um if you're part of a religion or something or like zero waste or you know any of those things I think it's really easy for people to like or for me at least to be like oh well everyone's focused on this one thing and well if we don't do it all the time in everything that we do 100% then we have failed yeah (laughs) and you know it, it there's it, it's just not that's not realistic and it's also not what i expect of other people so why would i expect that of? yeah um, that you know something that i talked about last night um with chris dupont uh was and something that i think we've talked about too but uh the idea of moving from like one fundamentalism to another uh mm. Like that yeah. rings true. Like that, like sounds like a, just another form of fundamentalism, where like if mm. you're not doing everything to the T, then um, you're not really um, focused on sustainability and zero waste, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Actually, it did feel like when I've kind of explored these feelings and and things, um, it there's like a triggering like almost to it based on like my past with Christianity yeah specifically and it's like uh yeah so it definitely that definitely makes sense the it's really easy I feel like fundamentalism at the surface is is the easy way to go because Mm -hmm. it's so clear cut and well here are here's this like offering of things or like list of things and that you need to live by and then if you don't here are the consequences um yeah and nothing really works that way right (laughs) on the surface it seems easy but it's not really uh sustainable yeah (laughs) that's yeah (laughs) uh it's it's not that it's inherently wrong like it's not like an inherently toxic system to like have 
um, kind of these fundamental building blocks, right? Um, it's just like right. when you're experiencing a new culture, it's helpful to understand the general do's and don'ts, like the social mores, right? Um, like that is helpful. Like children, yeah. you know, can only really think in binary situations. So uh, the same should be true for us when we are essentially the child um, experiencing a new culture. Um, but right. it is, it's, it's something that needs to be transcended. Yeah, totally. Um, is there, is there anything that like about sustainability culture that, um, or any culture that you're part of that feels, uh, like a little fundy <laughs> to you that you wish was fundy. different? That's cute. Uh, I think I think with sustainability culture it's more the like well could be true with others too but specifically with sustainability the like buzzwords that are used or like even saying that uh, like we're a sustainable business well what does that mean a lot of businesses right. claim to be sustainable um you know or zero waste I think which I've touched on this already I think a few of the, the ways that it's been depicted is that like here's how you live your life and it's very extreme and you can never create waste again <laughs> or you have failed yeah and that kind of you know yeah i think that that is easy to fall into uh and can lead to a very like fundamentalist way of thinking in terms of that um but I think on the other hand, it's really easy to fall into like, well, I'm living a really green life because I bought my coffee in a compostable cup, but I'm still going to throw it in the landfill of, of like the marketing behind sustainability. And, you yeah, know, it's like low I... fat on crackers or something of like, that really doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah. And, you know, a compostable cup going to the landfill is still going to the landfill. And they, right. uh, a lot of marketing can be done to trick people. And it makes me sad. Right. Yeah. It, it that is that's a really um interesting point uh one of the things that i've thought about often was like i'll like get this bag of chips or something right like i remember for a while sun chips had those like compostable um biodegradable oh, yeah. bags or whatever that were super loud that everyone I hated forgot about that. um and they like yeah and they like switched back because everybody was like so mad about how loud they oh, were oh i didn't know that um yeah 
um that was like they just like got a lot of complaints and they were just like we're losing sales because we switched to these like super loud mm. bags um so it, it's interesting because something like that even though like if you throw that bag away and it's like degradable over a certain time or compostable or something but you're still putting it inside a trash bag like that trash bag with all the other things in it are still going to the the dumpster yeah. like you're still um using just as much plastic every time you throw out um like you use that trash bag right yeah so, to some extent it's not really making a difference right um because it's not like the only thing you're putting in your trash is sun chip bags you know yeah yeah exactly because ultimately things don't you can't compost in the landfill and even if something says biodegradable you you really have to question of like biodegradable in the compost or because very i don't i don't want to say like nothing because maybe someone has come up with something that can break down in the landfill but very Mm -hmm. very few things nothing that i know can break down in the landfill or it'll take a really 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 long time and it's in this huge landfill so i guess it's just like right you know we've been working on a plan to move to having no single-use cups in the cafe now i don't know what that will look like Mm -hmm. after quarantine i don't know what we'll be allowed to (laughs) to the new normal you know um but we want to have some yeah. sort of deposit system, but it's tricky because it's the same as sun chips. Will we lose a lot of customers because of the lack of um, ease it is to get a single use cup? You know, will we, uh, there's a lot of questions because it is kind of, it's, it's not as easy. Um, and also, I, you know, just thinking about all the movies and TV shows of how many times you see someone carrying around like a paper coffee cup and how yeah. I really think that's contributed to like uh, how people feel within the society. If you're carrying around like a paper cup showing I bought this coffee. I spent money on it. Um, maybe a little more money. Yeah. Rather than someone carrying around their home thermos. Because then it's not as clear as like, I went out for this coffee. It's like a status thing, yeah. which um, people have done different studies on. I don't know the particular results and things like that, but just the amount that it's been in the media and I remember when I was in college before kind of thinking more about the impact and what zero how like zero waste is something I wanted to pursue I was I remember feeling like I fit in a little bit more when I had a coffee at my in the classroom you know or um yeah so 
that's something really interesting and I'm hoping that that can change you know like um culturally as like a new generation comes up and grows up of like maybe that'll flip of having a paper cup will be not as status not as much as a status symbol as having your own mug of like I care for more than my status you know kind of thing yeah or even just like making it cool to have like a personalized cup of some sort you know Mm -hmm. um like yeah yeah because I I thinking back to when I was in elementary school right um or like high school even um and like when I brought a lunch like having a paper bag felt way cooler for some reason than um having like a pail or like a lunch you know oh I didn't yeah Um, I just felt like yeah I just felt like I fit in more having a paper bag than having like a velcro pouch um or like a metal pail or something which is weird because it used to be um like metal pail like the metal ones were like the coolest things like that's what everybody had you know and so what happens like was it like what kind of cultural shift happened to make it um more cool in the eyes of the youth (laughs) um to have paper bags instead of you know personal metal ones or personal yeah you know insulated ones yeah how fascinating yeah i wonder too if there will ever be a time when those kinds of things won't matter to kids you know like what kind of vessel you carry your lunch in or which I don't know if that's possible um but it just seems so like I feel like I've been kind of separated from it um but even as a teacher I saw it too of the trends and things like that but yeah yeah I just wonder you know whether it's a lunch pail or if it's a cup a thermos or something when will that when will status not be so deeply ingrained in us um and maybe that's like work that we have to do just like anything else like to um combat like our internal bias i don't know yeah but we're hoping that maybe we can contribute a little bit to helping frame uh, that for people of you don't need a single use cup to to show that you know yeah and that's the that's the real the real fight right now i think is um just making it okay to uh 
you know, making it maybe not even cool, but just like more normal to think about environmental sustainability um, in your life on a daily basis um, and to like not need, not need to buy things in general all the time just because they're new um, Mm -hmm. or just because it's the brand, right? Um, Which is like counter to most of the way that our economy works, but um yeah it's interesting i was listening to a different podcast and they were talking about going to a coffee shop this was like i was listening to an old one so um pre pre uh quarantine they were going to a (laughs) coffee shop and they were really grossed out because the coffee shop had a place for people to return sleeves the like to protect you from the hot cup um to like leave Mm. them for people to reuse and they were like that's so gross people have touched those and i was like that's fascinating like that i i just hadn't heard a response like that before um that seeing used leaves which you know are really aren't used very long and are you know pretty pretty inherently wasteful um as a as an item like they help very briefly for you to protect your hand but um yeah, that made me kind of sad to hear that. Of like that it was gross, um, but also kind of opened up a new perspective for me of like, oh, this might be where someone's coming from um, as a customer, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that, it's interesting thinking about that because I probably like personally if that was like the system that a coffee shop had in place i would respect that system and not like you know denounce it or you know complain or something like that but i'd probably just like tough it out and not use a sleeve and this isn't this isn't necessarily like from a place of like oh like i like deserve to have my own or like I think that like it doesn't matter um if I like single use one of these things it's more of just like I've like always been a little bit of a germaphobe like not crazy but like enough that like I do think about like um just like even touching doors in um like public spaces like I'll use my sleep right if I have it or like, I'll try to like, I'll try to like uh, grab a different part of the door that I don't think most people would touch. Mm, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it's kind of like a neurotic thing for me. And like, it's not something that's like so overwhelming that I like can't get over it. Like there are definitely some people who are much worse off than I am. Um, but yeah, it's, 
it's interesting to think about that because I, I don't think that I would be like, oh, gross, like out loud saying like <laughs> that's like a stupid yeah. thing to do, um, or anything like that. But I probably just I would probably just respect the system and um, you know, kind of figure out my own way to navigate yeah. it. Yeah, that is. I didn't think well from like the coffee shop perspective. I didn't think about doing something like that um we just keep our sleeves behind the counter and if someone asks for one we give one we don't have them out for people just to take because we find that more people will just take one even though they don't necessarily need it or things like that right um and the sleeves are compostable and recyclable so that gives more opportunity for reuse but um yeah yeah I mean I think it's also fair like there's just this basket of used sleeves which is a good idea I think and also I get why I don't you know if I was at a shop I don't like sleeves so I wouldn't use them but I can see why someone would be like I just want my own I want new um yeah what's interesting to me is i'd be curious to see that coffee shop set up like are they only go- doing to go cups like is that why people will like give the sleeves back because if i'm using a sleeve it's because i'm leaving the place with the hot cup of coffee in hand right yeah like it's not because i'm like picking just getting it to pick up and take over yeah i don't know that's Um, a good question like yeah like i can't imagine too many scenarios where people would save their sleeve and then bring it back the next time right yeah or if yeah i don't know that's a good question i feel like maybe they don't have for here cups so that's kind of an extra way i don't know Right, which which then would, like, lead me to, like, if they don't have for here cups, like, why are they concerned with having, like, reusable sleeves? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, like, that's a good question, too. Yeah, it's interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, even thinking about, like, my first response was, like, oh, that's sad. But then thinking about it more and talking about it with you, being like, oh, I get it, why people would be. I understand a little bit more why that would be a little bit weird. Um, Maybe they just have it. Yeah, I guess maybe they, more people might not have um, a for here cup gin or something, but I don't know. Strange. Hmm. But yeah, there. I that's the other thing is there's like a million ways you can try to conserve, like things like that. Um, but but yeah. there's a lot of opinions too. Um, so yeah, everyone's still gonna do what they feel comfortable with, and we also want to be respectful of that. <laughs> right. It's it's kind of like a it's like a it's like a balance, yeah. right? Like with all things, um, but it's kind of finding 
it's kind of finding a way to like put people a little bit out of the comfort zone, but not so much that they feel like they are being controlled or like imposed upon. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like we always want to encourage people to use for hair cups, like when we're open and uh, if they're going to stay yeah. or we have a little uh, price incentive um, where you get a little bit of money taken off if you bring your own mug, but it's not like if you ask for a to-go cup. Um, we did, we were, we had just implemented a slight price um, increase for to-go cups uh, to kind of as our first phase yeah. to transition them out. And honestly, uh, very few people noticed. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, it I was wasn't say... really, I thought it was going to be, you know, a bigger thing. Um, we kind of like posted about it beforehand and we had a spiel prepared that I shared with our, our team. Um, and no one really asked about it. But people were, did notice when about the discount. Yeah. And that, that honestly, uh, I think for a lot of people, the, you, maybe not for a lot of people, some people genuinely enjoy having a thermos, having, um, like their own to go cup, like their own personal cup. But I do think that for some people, the discount is not really a about the discount like it's not about saving that like 25 cents or 50 cents or whatever mm -hmm. it is um it's like especially because like you can only give so much of a discount right like you're not yeah um, still you're still paying for the beverage like yeah. right like i definitely there was incentive for me to bring my thermos when i was going to school because there was a coffee shop that i could just get a refill yeah. from like they would like regardless of whether I got coffee before that day, they just give me the refill button and that was a dollar for coffee. That would normally be like, you know, $2 and 50 cents that mm -hmm. whatever. Um, it was shitty coffee, but you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, shitty coffee in the morning when you're super tired is still yeah. coffee. Um, and, uh, so like that was incentive for me to bring my thermos, but like at a place like vertex like i probably wouldn't be thinking about well i like overthink mm -hmm. everything but i would say probably the average person would think the discount more so gives them a little dopamine um like it gives them like a little hit in that reward center of their brain of like oh like i did this thing that gave me like essentially like yeah. points um for like you know bringing my own cup in and that's like I think where the incentive probably comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah. For a lot of people. Yeah, like the idea of positive reinforcement, you know, that you're doing yeah. something Whereas, good. like, the negative yeah. reinforcement. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's, like, a psychology thing, too, right? Like, it's it's shown with most people, like, children, it's better to do positive reinforcement than to, like, um, you know, uh get down on them for doing a bad thing um like obviously there's uh a sense of um 
what am I trying to say? Uh, like a sense of you have to discipline sometimes, right? But uh, like an authoritarian structure for children is usually not as good. Like it usually makes someone more neurotic in their adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, and with dogs, like they say that the best way to train a dog is to like never really like yell at the dog or like give them punishment, but to like always try to orient it towards like um, positive reinforcement, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense to me that people wouldn't really notice a price increase of um, to-go yeah. cups. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, definitely. And I've thought about those things too, of just the the positive. And then, you know, I think we're also talking about the discount more of like, hey, you get this money off as opposed to like, we still let people know when it was first happening. And then yeah. um, the upcharge was a little bit less than the discount though. So it was maybe not very noticeable. That also might speak to the privilege in the area. I don't know, you know? Um, I yeah. feel like, um, maybe i'm not sure but the you know we also try to have an option for people who maybe are not don't want to spend the extra money or can't or got their wallet we have like a program thing where people can buy a coffee for someone else called random act of coffee and you can buy if you feel like you want to or you have the means to purchase a coffee for someone else then you can do that and then we just post it on a little board and someone can just take it and use that and so we've had people use it when they forget their wallet or someone came in one day and was like I've been waiting all week I want to treat myself so I'm going to use this like as a gift of myself which I was like oh that's very nice and then someone else some other people have come in who um, pretty consistently use those and you know they just don't really have the means to buy a coffee and it's not really we don't it's like a no no questions asked kind of thing if you use it yeah you can use it (laughs) so yeah yeah that's awesome. I love that you do that. Um, what was what was like the thought process behind like implementing that? I started that uh, program when I was working um, in Milan before we opened Vertex, actually, and it was when the government workers were furloughed. Um, and mm-hmm. we in Milan, there's a, a federal prison. And so uh, oh. all of the prison workers were furloughed, but had to still go to work because it's a prison. And so right. we just had a couple of regulars come in and share pretty openly with us about their experience and how, you know, they 
are struggling and um there were a couple of families who who like the both breadwinners or like both of them worked for the prison so like no income was coming in you know or things like that um and so yeah they so yeah I was like what can we do um and I so yeah we kind of started that random act of coffee and it was intended specifically for those the furloughed workers to use the the coffees um that were bought Mm. and then we transferred that over to or are we like kept doing it at vertex basically yeah Um, because it's like a really easy thing to implement and gives people the opportunity to participate in a lot in a few different ways um and they can buy whatever coffee they want so it could be a more expensive one or a small drip coffee you know anything so yeah right yeah that's awesome um it feels like in that regard um like you're kind of putting in your your kind of like ethics um into things that are like sustainable because it's it's helping other people have a sustainable mm-hmm. lifestyle right like the people that can't afford coffee who would really love to just like be able to have a drip brew or like a corchado or something when they normally wouldn't be able to afford it like it allows them to feel a little bit better about themselves and it kind of helps like sustainability go beyond just like an environmental impact yeah I just want to pause for a second here and uh, thank my Patreon supporters. Um, Without them, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Um, You can support this podcast financially on patreon.com slash storyfeast, but that's not the only way to support it. Um, Listening helps a lot, um, but also sharing and rating and subscribing. So if you are enjoying this, please, please do that. Um, It helps a lot. Thank you. Are there like... Are there, like, any other, like, ways that you feel like sustainability goes beyond that, um, like, environmental mm. factor? Yeah. I think that sustainability to, can kind of link into the community piece. Um, mm. You know, in the Random Act of Coffee, it, it is still, like, in a sense, building some community, even if you're not seeing someone else drink the coffee that you bought them you know um you're building something and so I feel like providing a way to create more of that community has been has has linked a lot to the sustainability piece in our cafe uh, like we have a little free library and that's been really cool to see the books come and go. Um, I didn't really know if it would be used, but it, it is being used. It's still being used. I put some like canned goods in there over quarantine. 
Um, yeah. But just that kind of sharing what you don't need, um, which is in its essence sustainability because you're not just throwing away the things that you don't need, but you're thinking about others and putting forth the effort to share those things with others. Um, so we, we try to find little ways that we can help people do that. Um, like we have a little, uh, box in the bathroom that people can put essentially like toiletries that they don't use. Um, I mean, unused. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Un- uh, unused and new. But, you know, like sometimes I'll look, or it's in the past, I, you know, as a gift, you get like a lotion or something that, you, that I personally am like, oh, the scent, I don't like it. I'm not going to use this. So just providing a way of right. like people to, to provide those things. Um, and pretty immediately, uh, feminine hygiene products were put in there, which was really yeah, powerful to see that just like immediately people yeah. were, were sharing those things. Um, did that kind of answer your question? I don't... Yeah, it does. It definitely does. I, I feel like. I feel like it kind of made it clear that sustainability is like very linked to empathy. Like you're, you have to kind of imagine outside of yourself to live a sustainable lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think because ultimately anything, yeah, any, I'm trying to like think through things, really anything that you do that, contributes to sustainability environmentally requires extra effort and that effort you have to be motivated by some sort of care for the planet and therefore other people um and so i think that It just, it requires empathy and creativity, I think. Um, So yeah, and I think we're really fortunate at Vertex to be able to provide little ways for people to help others and to help the planet because people always come through even if it's just a few people it's been really cool to see the way that you know people bring books for the little free library or they um ask to like a few people have asked to like bring in a plant or want to contribute to the um, random act of coffee um, 
Yeah. Or even like people that have brought in their like soft plastics. We have like a special soft plastics recycling bin. Um, the extra effort of people that have thought through those things and brought them with them to to get a coffee. <laughs> it's been really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's like one thing, even just like talking about it, like, oh, I really miss that right now. Um, not mm. being able to like see people every day and um, being in quarantine, just seeing those like little ways that people help out and yeah, care, which, you know, you see through the internet now but <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because i haven't really like i i'm thinking a lot about other people right now um but thinking about thinking about how just like super small interactions could sometimes make my day better or my week better. Um, you know, I mean, there's also interactions that made my day worse or my week worse, but um, like it, it is weird to think about how right now we're kind of like divorced from a lot of really what to me, I guess I took for granted, like very small human connections or trivial human interactions mm -hmm. um that make uh that make things like you know that doing that random acts of coffee thing like worth it mm -hmm. right um but at the same time it's also um it's also interesting because like I personally feel as if I have more capacity to interact with people mm -hmm. now. Um, and like, it makes me want to reach out and like text people that I don't normally text or call someone that I don't normally call. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I feel like in some ways this is shaping my own little, um, personal like culture i guess like my own little biome that i inhabit um not just in the fact that like i'm not interacting with as people as i used to but thinking about like how do i want to what do i want to take with me from this experience um and like move forward in um how i interact with people in the future like how can i continue to feel sustainably uh extroverted for lack of a better word like how can i interact with people in a way that feels sustainable yeah um so well, i don't know i guess i don't really have a point that i was getting to <laughs> but um uh i i am curious so it it does sound like a lot of the the ethics that you bring to your um like to conducting business at Vertex uh, stems from like personal ethics. Yeah. Um, 
I'm wondering if there's anything, um, if there's anything that like kind of conflicts. Like, do you do you feel like there's any um, uh, differences between your personal ethics and like your business ethics? And like, um, if there's not, like, how like how have you kind of seen like the happy, the happy marriage of those things? Yeah, I think that mostly it's a happy marriage um but like in any marriage there are things that you know there's some conflict I guess um yeah yeah I think I think for me it's been kind of with business learning how a lot of the ethics feel the same but they kind of play out differently or they live differently um so I guess like trying to think of a good example um like in my life for sustainability it's pretty easy to make decisions or I talk to Mackenzie and we figure something out or I choose okay I can't like today I just need to buy this thing in a package or I, you know, have to weigh out. I forgot my grocery bags. Do I drive home and wait and like spend the gas or do I just get paper bags at the grocery store? Kind of like little decisions like that. And I think it just feels like the scale's a little bit different at Vertex deciding, you know, do we, like, how do we implement this getting rid of single-use cups that's going to impact a lot yeah, more other sense. people, not just me and my wife, you know? Um, and then, yeah, I think, too, in terms of, like, my team that making decisions with them as well and you know bringing them in on ideas and gathering ideas from them um with their ethic like personal ethics as well um I don't even know if I'm answering your question but uh yeah no you you're you're definitely uh I think having the different scales, uh, I think is, is uh, certainly something to think about when it comes to ethics, because um, have you ever watched The Good Place? Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch the like latest season yet. I'm not ready for it. Okay. <laughs> I understand that. Um, it was good, but and I don't think that this is a spoiler or anything, but one of the things that they talk about um, as far as ethics goes, and I'll try to be vague for people who might not have seen it because I want everyone to watch it. Um, one of the things that they talk about is like how hard it is to be just like a good person in today's society because there's like so much intermingling of this like giant web that yeah. connects us all, right? Like, um, like one of my favorite jokes 
from the show is um uh like there's a sandwich that if you eat it a chicken sandwich that if you eat it it means you hate gay people right right like <laughs> i liked that joke that, too <laughs> like i just thought yeah i thought that was so funny um and it's it's just like it's really true like under capitalism it's it's really hard to um be an ethical person um and so and and that's where you kind of like need to scale things differently Mm -hmm. it's like well what can you control right it comes down to like that kind of serenity yeah prayer right like knowing the things that you can change knowing things that you can't and like um being able to know the difference yeah yeah Um, exactly And, and i think as a consumer and I've really been thinking a lot lately about small businesses and how, as a small business, people view us and how we're depicted and how employees see us and, you know, how sometimes businesses that make a profit are viewed differently than businesses that are that profit's not the first like profit making a profit is necessary as a business that's just fact um right right. and to be sustainable you have to make profit at some point in in being a business and and then continue hopefully to make a profit um but but i think there's there can be a negativity seen around like focus on making a profit and how and so I've been thinking a lot about how that's not our like number one focus is making a profit but it is a like any business that is something that is necessary to be sustainable and to continue um but is that inherently bad you know just like those questions and um how you know like with the chicken sandwich i think most people know what that's in reference to (laughs) but um yeah (laughs) yeah feeling that like the owners of that business chose to put their personal ethics into the business in a way that alienated a group of people which to me right is not okay but um you know so if someone tells me that they are going to eat at that restaurant personally as a part of the lgbtq community that's hurtful to me um Mm -hmm. you know and that business chose to do that um and so that's like a really interesting as a business owner my personal ethics where's the line you know like obviously everybody that is respectful to other people um they're they're all like welcome and safe at vertex um yeah that's something that is part of my personal ethics though um as well you know what i mean i guess i'm kind of crawling down a rabbit hole here but um it just feels like 
personal ethics and business ethics in a lot of ways should overlap for business owners, but in a lot of, for some people, it's not. Mm. Or I guess if your personal ethics are discriminatory, your business ethics will be discriminatory. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like a... Uh, it's a metaphor that's like on the tip of my tongue uh, I've heard before. Uh, it's It's kind of like... If you if you're making art, right? Like it's kind of like an expression and making like painting a piece of art is like kind of the purest way to show how creativity um like uh, manifests like in expression, right? And so anyone who does anything essentially is creating mm-hmm. something. And so someone who does a business is creating a business. And so in some sense, that business um, is creating, like is kind of showing an expression of that person, right? Even if it's diluted through, um, you know, a a bunch of different channels. But um, like if if you are a happy person in general this is a very watered down uh i guess metaphor but if you're a happy person in general you're probably gonna like infuse happiness into everything that you do right Mm -hmm. um like you're gonna make other people happy like i know people that are generally happy like certainly um some, some of some of it is uh more of just how they've learned to interact with people but like um you know if you're if you're a, if like you tend to be someone who always focuses on the negative things then anything that you do the people that you're around you're gonna bring negativity um so it is it feels correct to me to say that uh it's inevitable that your personal ethics will um drive your business ethics. Yes. Um, especially for something like that where um you know th- where Chick-fil-A chose to donate um their money was you know inherently discriminatory. Um even if, you know, the average person that works there isn't, you know. Um it's just that like the people who are making the decisions and steering the ship were steering towards um the wrong the wrong coast i guess yeah. the wrong dock pier whatever whatever metaphor yeah. i'm going with <laughs> mm-hmm. um and how that can really drive so much of how people view the whole business yeah yeah so yeah um I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious, uh, like, 
obviously your like we've talked a little bit about your personal ethics um is there like um is there anything that you feel passionate about that we like haven't discussed um when it comes to like your ethical code um your uh like the way that you conduct sustainability like is there something that like you feel like you could share um to people uh, share with people <laughs> share to people share with people um yeah uh, about my personal ethics yeah personal ethics or like i mean obviously now that we've kind of come to a conclusion yeah, that personal true. ethics and business ethics are one and the same yeah um specifically about sustainability um i mean uh it could be any of the pillars that you that you mentioned um just share a little bit of something that you're that you feel passionate about that we haven't talked hmm. about oh i think i feel like we've covered most of it um yeah, really just caring for other people and the planet. Um, something I used to say in my classroom a lot is, like, how can you think outside of yourself? I would say that to my students a lot. Um, because they're little and their world is so small and it surrounds them, you know? And mm -hmm. so uh, just... I think that's like how I have to think as well. Of it's really easy for me to get in my head, um, and as an introvert, I like to spend time alone. And so, thinking, how can I think outside of myself and outside of my needs and see the things around me, um, while also caring like encouraging people to care well for themselves. Like don't forget about yourself within looking around you. Um, because you won't be able to really help other people if you're not taking care of, you know, like the mask on the airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Put on your own first. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think within that, um, it's easy, like, when you're thinking outside of yourself, it's, I feel like then it's pretty easy to see that the earth is in need of some love, and we need to take care of it, because we ruined it, so. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, ultimately that's going to take work at a larger level than the individual. But I think that there's still work to be done on the individual level as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, no one person can do it alone, but at the same time, like, no one person is absolved from the task of yeah. trying. Yeah, it's not unimportant, the work of the individual. Although, honestly, sometimes it feels yeah. that way. But it's not. It's still 
still something. But yeah. So yeah. I think that's it. That's all I can think of right now, at least. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Story Fuse Conversations. I personally really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, I want to have a variety of voices um, discussing different topics, and that's maybe where you could come in. Um, if you have any suggestions for topics or for people who would be a great fit for this podcast, please let me know. You can email me at heyjeej at gmail.com um, with any suggestions that you have or even just comments or feedback or concerns. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, this is a Patreon-supported podcast. Um, if you are interested in supporting it financially, um, go to Patreon. Otherwise, every rating, every share, every subscribe, um, all of that helps so much. Um, obviously, if this is just like a one-time thing for you and you just want to hear it for once, um, that's awesome too. Thank you for tuning in. Um, for those of you who want to return, we'll uh, see you in two weeks. <laughs>